Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. Today, uh, we're going to cover Acts 4, 1 through 12. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power to cut that out, but I think I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> leave it in. Because I'm imperfect. Uh, Acts 4, 1 through 12. But first, who is sitting across from me? I'm Nicole. I am a member of the gen z community whom josh said was superior this sunday it's true we cheered for you guys yeah at the night i wasn't there sadly oh yeah yeah Yeah, my name's josh i was the preacher this sunday awesome so before we get started josh you talked about uh a few things that have happened in the world that changed us are we gonna yeah tee us up here what's what are we talking about today yeah we don't follow jesus in a vacuum we follow jesus in a world that's experienced a lot of change in the last 25 years specifically um, three big events that happen that shape our world, and we're trying to follow Jesus within that context. That's what we're talking about. Nice. Okay. Let's roll the theme song. Okay. So let's get right into it, Josh. What um, What were those first? What were those three things that happened in the world that changed us? Yeah. Uh, Last week I talked about my personal story and uh, growing up religious and how Jesus has exclusivity helped me be transformed in that. And then this week I was thinking about our collective story. And so sociologists talk a lot about Gen Z. So Nicole, you are uh, a privileged generation. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we're worried about you guys. No, you said something else during the... Privileged, yeah. They're uh, the privilege to have all kinds of things happen to them. Yeah, <laughs> marketers. We've been through uh, the ringer. You've been through it. You've been through it. Uh, I said we should pray for you. We should be concerned for you. But during the <laughs> sermon, I made a joke that you y- if you're sitting next to someone who's in Gen Z, you should say you're better than me. You're superior. Because we are. Did that make you feel good? Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> but so why Dang. why did you bring all that up? What's what what happened to uh, make them great? Yeah, Nicole, you're 21. I am. Uh, when freshly. were you born? 2002. 2002. So even before Nicole was born, she's uh, she didn't she wasn't alive for this. But when 9/11 happened, that that changed the world. I was uh, in the womb actually. You were in the womb in 9/11. Yeah, it like so greatly you can't affected. I have trauma you were from 9/11. <laughs> you were in the womb. <laughs> You're in the womb. <laughs> uh, Jeff, where were you? Uh, I was taking my SATs sophomore in high school. Okay, I was a freshman in college. In my elementary statistics class at 8 a.m. on <laughs> do a you Tuesday guys feel morning. Old? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Stop. Okay, moving right along. And so 9/11, uh, global terrorism, the um, the transitions that happened in airports, the the things that that the world felt uh, globalized and unsafe. Did you know that the ticker on the bottom of like CNN that was not before 9/11? That That's they created I- that before that specific event Fascinating. to keep things in, and then they just kept it after that. I did not know that. Did what you do know you mean that? the ticker? The the words that are like, sometimes it's just the NASDAQ stock. Sometimes it's like, oh, like the headlines? baseball scores or the headlines mm-hmm. yeah, that did not exist before 9-11. Why? That no one had thought of it. But the, the story was so huge. You wouldn't remember you were in the womb. <laughs> but the story was so huge and there was so much information coming out so quickly that they invented this new way to get information out quickly. Oh. Which is a perfect segue to the second thing, information getting to us quickly. What yeah, was the Yeah, 2007, Steve Jobs introduced uh, the iPhone, which was revolutionary. Uh, at the time, you, didn't, you needed a different device for music. You needed a different device for your phone. You needed a different device for the internet. And uh, do you remember Walkmans, Nicole? Like, of course I do. At, I know, had Anti-skip one. Walkmans, were mm-hmm. you? Okay, mm-hmm. so welcome to... What about cassette? I had all Did you ever play anything device. on cassette? Cassette, cassette yes. Eight track? Um, all my cas- Disney princess movies were on my cassettes. Okay. So I would run home from school. No, no, no. And that's, sit. V- that's VHS. VHS. Cassette, cassette is music. music. Yes. Yeah, okay. Do you have sorry. music cassettes? So sorry. Wow, that was embarrassing. Cut that one out, please. No. <laughs> I'm just giving the boomers fodder for like, oh, yeah, oh, they man. don't know anything. No, so yes. You, you're familiar with cassettes. I am because, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. We would listen to like audios on it in the car yeah. on our cassette tapes. We would just put it into the car stereo. Great. This is great radio, guys. Let's keep going. I love it. So yeah. in, in the invention of the iPhone came a, a device that you would constantly be engaged with. And, and while you engage this device, in some ways you disengage with those around you. Then you have social media uh, joining the scene in 2005-ish. 
I remember graduating from college in 2005 and you had to have a college pass, like a email and password to get a Facebook account. And before that was MySpace, and before that was just Blogspot, you know, AOL, Blogspot, Friendster, Friendster. Oh, yeah. uh, so th- these things were out there, but they certainly didn't have an ongoing, never-ending availability to them. You had to be at your computer, and so Facebook allowed you to network with other college people, and then that has radically transitioned over the years to a different thing. And now you have TikTok and Twitter that are just real-time feeds, and Instagram. Instagram is. Uh, even that has morphed a little, but it's it still... It used to be instant, but like it would be a live feed and it would only happen. Yeah. Yeah. There was no... They wouldn't reorder anything. When you posted it, it got put at the top and if you missed it, you had to scroll to find it. I remember. Yeah. So I had the OG logo on my phone. But that has changed us, right? Like these ideas uh, are not just, oh, we have an iPhone now. It's like the way the world behaves is very different mm-hmm. and the public facing persona of who we are being projected into the world is primarily what I was talking about because there's statistics that talk about the, uh, the rise of anxiety from our devices, the rise of comparison. Uh, there's a lot of doctors saying, don't give these phones to kids, you know, be sure they're not getting too much screen time. And so, uh, that definitely changed us in, in some ways and created a, uh, a performance nature to, to life that you could project a life that's not your real life. Uh, Instagram's your highlight reels. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Have you heard the phrase curated vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know that like I'm if I'm going to have a breakdown, I should film myself having a breakdown. Never once in my life have I thought I need to film this. <laughs> okay. But people do. It's yeah. no judgment out there to anyone on these devices. It's just a part of the world now. It's just the air we breathe. And then the last one was the pandemic that we experienced uh, yeah. for two years. So clarification, this is uh, Acts 4. 13 through 23. I said one through 12, but that was last week. How do these events uh, fit into what is happening to Peter in front of the Sanhedrin? How, how is this all connected? How did you land the plane? Yeah, I tried to say it's not perfect, but the, the air we breathe, the, the world we live in, um, success is now primarily visible. Like things need to be displayed publicly our identity our worth our value these are metrics to be displayed publicly uh the performance of myself is more important than the reality of myself and so i try to juxtapose this public life and even public spirituality or dare i say performative spirituality which is uh, a guy named john stark wrote a book called the secret place of thunder and he writes about performative spirituality and i try to say what's happening in acts four is is the fruit of uh, private spirituality. And so I went on for the remainder of the sermon to talk about Acts chapter 4, verse 13, where it said, these were ordinary unschooled men, but they had been with Jesus. And that's what made the religious leaders astonished, and they took note of that. When I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm unschooled. I didn't go to seminary. Is that kind of, should we place ourselves in the story there? Like, oh, we're just unschooled, and so we have no excuse? Yeah, I try to say this is God's mission. His, or his design is to fulfill his mission through ordinary unschooled people. Uh, in other words, no one's disqualified. So uh, I made a joke about me. I have not finished seminary. I'm a third of the way through. The crowd gasped. And, uh, <laughs> I'm a college dropout. Nicole is a college dropout, Jeff. <laughs> I finished what I started. I'm, I got, I Josh got my the other day asked me if, if my college dropout fact is something he needs to look into <laughs> so should we be worried about that is that yeah is that a cultivated no. vulnerability you just make that up to the what curated curated vulnerability. curated vulnerability no. like, oh, like my first up. year of college was online because of mm. covid so you had was, a rough go that's why we that's yeah. why we're worried about your generation nicole yeah, yeah. i did not go. want my college experience to be online so it's a lot of money um, for digital it is yeah. tuition was so. not lowered or anything it was full tuition for online school that the teachers would not put any effort into totally Mm -hmm. no it's different um and so i should have i should have told this joke to the church but like okay i'm uh, i I don't have my degree but pastor jesse's about to get his doctorate so that kind of balances us out on the the pastor (laughs) and then there's scott and there's scott he's working on his stuff so we we're all figuring (laughs) it out uh but but the idea was that hey you don't get you don't get a pass you don't get to be on the sidelines like god wants to use you you're not disqualified from being used by God because you're ordinary or unschooled. Uh, but there is a secret. You, you should need to see the next part, which is being with Jesus. Mm. 
as the uh, as the primary place of power in your life, not education, not being extraordinarily gifted, but having a private prayer life that fuels your public faith experience. Do we think that God uses unschooled people for a specific reason, maybe being so that the the glory goes to him and not our intelligence or the way we speak or, you know, he's using people who stutter and fishermen and all throughout scripture. Um, is there, is there a theme running there that we can catch on to? Yeah. I always think of like the meta theme feels like weakness versus strength. Like where you are weak, uh, that that's an opportunity for God to be strong. That's an opportunity for his glory to be well beyond your glory. Uh, I, I remember thinking as a high school and college kid, uh, you would pray these prayers like, God, I want to live a life that uh, only you could get the credit for. This only makes sense because of you. Now, I don't know if I knew what I meant when I was saying that, but the idea was like that that the influence of my life for the gospel would far out exceed my my abilities. Um, and and you would hope that that's the story that everybody has, but it's it's not. It's, it's I think a lot of people lean on their own strength more often than not. So you said something Sunday about um, talking about unschooled ordinary men that sometimes we just need business men and women in the community who are Christians to reach parts of the world that are unreached, yeah. unreachable by the church, which is great. I think that's an incredible vision. My follow-up question is why can't we be a church that can reach everywhere? What, yeah. what is it about us that, what is it about the church historically that um, there's like guards that go up and how do we get those guards to come down so we can start ministering to everybody? Or is that not the design? Yeah. I don't know if, if Nicole, your generation would say this is the story, but I, I think for my generation, it was like only the special called to ministry kids were the ones that did missions. Uh, I remember like summer camp, Thursday night of summer camp when everybody cries and mm-hmm. you know, cry meets night. with God, cry night. They would have like a special prayer time for like, if you feel called to ministry, come forward. And that, that usually meant called to be a worship leader, mm-hmm. which means I can uh, I can play four chords on a guitar and I own a capo. <laughs> that's that's, that's a little judgy. I used to be a worship leader. Sal, I'm kidding. It's It's harder than people think. But I remember being a worship leader being like, I get special prayer. When mm-hmm. uh, my brother wants to be a, a basketball coach and he doesn't get special prayer, he's he's a follower of Jesus trying to make an impact where he is, but they don't get special prayer night. So I think there was a false dichotomy in the Western church understanding of missions, which is like, that's for the special people. And so the rest of us go to church and give money and that's, that's how we participate. Yeah. I wouldn't say I felt like that. I never heard that before. Like, our camp experience was never like, oh, if you feel called to, we didn't ever hear that or anything, but. But you don't think there's like special emphasis given to people in ministry? No, I grew up, like my youth group here at Grace Church actually was always like, oh, if this is something that you're interested in, like, let us know. But it wasn't ever like, oh, we'll pray for you, come to the front or anything like that. Like I always felt like I was called to youth ministry and like since high school, but that was also because I was super close to my youth director and that was just like the major influence I was having in my life. I, I think the, the, the sacred secular divide was really strong and we're learning that. Um, and what I mean by that is like, well, if I'm a doctor, I, I can't, I can't be used by God. There, that thought was out there. If I'm a school teacher, well then that's separate from my Christian life. Mm. That's not everywhere. I'm just saying that exists and that leads people to, to dichotomize their spiritual life from their their life in Christ. And I think we need more stories. We need stories. Uh, I've seen this on social media. I know we're bagging on social media. Uh, Josh but, has the highest screen time in this group, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm recovering. I'm detoxing. I currently have deleted all my stuff because I can't be trusted. Uh, but I've seen, I've seen social media stuff where like, uh, okay, my sister-in-law is a teacher. Amy's, Amy's little sister is a teacher. And you'll see them posting like... Uh, before school starts, they'll be playing a worship song, walking around and like touching every desk and praying for these kids mm-hmm. and praying by name. And you're just like so moved by that because that's the secular, sec- secular, sacred divide being removed. Mm-hmm. That's saying where I go as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit goes. I'm an ambassador for Christ who happens to teach second grade. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to be among my class, my kids, and I'm going to pray. And 
Uh, and there's something really beautiful in that. There's something really beautiful in that, that I wish every believer felt empowered and that God had actually sent them. So I think that's the, the thing I was trying to say. I don't know if I said it well on Sunday is that you should view yourself as a sent one, that you are sent into the workplace to be an ambassador uh, and to bring the Holy Spirit, obviously, with you, because the Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. going before you. Uh, so seeing yourself as a sent one is probably the spirit of what I was trying to say. Yeah. The fact checkers can fact check this, but I think it was Jonathan Edwards. Somebody asked him, they're like, hey, I'm all in for Jesus. What do I do? He's like, okay, well, what do you do for work? He said, I'm a cobbler. He said, okay, then make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. Yeah. And that was his full answer. Yeah. It wasn't anything beyond that. It's just like, be a good business person. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, uh, growing up, I would go to the passion conference, this massive conference in Atlanta. And I remember I didn't go to this one, but I was listening and Louis Giglio is preaching to 60,000 college students in the Superdome in Atlanta. And he's, he's preaching out of Colossians three, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And, uh, he, he says this in the moment. He said, uh, someone in this crowd right now is sketching a photo, is, is like sketching a pair of jeans on their sermon notes. Uh, would you shout out, and it's really quiet, and then you hear like this one faint yell, like someone's like, that's me. And his point, and he, whether they staged that or not, I'm hoping they didn't stage that, uh, but it, it could have been. But let's pretend it wasn't. His point was, um, God has given you a desire to design jeans, so much so that you're sketching clothes on your sermon notes. Don't act like that's not from God. Don't act like you shouldn't mm-hmm. go into business and sell it for a fair price and be kind to your employees and make the best gene possible. And then when that moment comes where people talk about your genes, you go, man, I, I'm a follower of Jesus and I make genes as a... I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I Jesus. <laughs> I follow Jesus genes. I could just see him with his, sand, his sandals I follow and his Jesus. jeans. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Sorry, I had to... So, hard know, left turn. <laughs> so whether it's cobbler or jeans, but I think a big one, um, and you can speak to this with Amy, is mothers. Yeah. I think a lot of times, especially mothers who worked prior to having kids, that is taken from them and like, well, now how do I, what do I do? Yeah, there's, man, this is not what we're talking about, Jeffrey. <laughs> well, it's about being with Jesus and being unschooled with normal Jesus. old people. Um, I think there are... Josh called being a mom a full-time job and I agree with that. I don't think there's a higher, more beautiful calling in all of life than being a mom. And I, I think, okay, let's talk about or culture. A, or a dad, stay at home. Okay, dads, yeah. Too, yeah. I, I don't want to get into that on the podcast, but I think that, that goes back to our gender discussion and mm-hmm. how interchangeability is not as easy as people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to sweat right now. Uh, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. The idea jeans. that um, you can do whatever you do for the glory of God is beautiful. I think culture has told women their value is found in work. And then they start to feel that and they have a four-year degree. And so now all of a sudden they're feeling the tension and everyone has their own story and everyone has to work that out with their own family. And I'm, I can't speak to all of that. Uh, but I'm saying, man, to raise children has been devalued in culture. And that's mm-hmm. a bummer. Uh, that's a bummer because that is a, that's a high calling from God. Mm-hmm. And I wish it would be seen uh, more honorably than it is. And maybe, maybe there will be a resurgence of that. We'll yeah. see. So I know you're not going to like this, but just so there's no unanswered questions, um, are you saying that men shouldn't be stay-at-home fathers? I'm saying there's according complex, to the Bible, there's yeah. complexity to that. Um, this is what makes the podcast great, Josh. We we can go off script. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, there's seasons and times where things happen, and, and when you start dealing, at, usually in this part, you start dealing in outliers and like, oh, here's my story, and here's why, and here's what's going on. I would just say a general principle for the flourishing of the world is that that is not the case. I mean, it, there's no doubt that mothers offer a different type of child-rearing capability than men do, I without th- a doubt. I think when I, when I you know, two weeks ago when we talked about, you can't just exchange me and Nicole out uh, because she's a woman, I'm a man. I'm irreplaceable. Uh, in the same way, you just can't exchange Amy and I out um, without consequence. Now, some would say, uh, is that a, I guess my question, is that a sinful consequence? Uh, I just would say it's, I don't know. Sin, it's hard to talk about sin. I just know that God has designed women 
in a way that's different than men. And so to exchange them has varying degrees of experience. And women are more nurturing, even though they go, no, I'm not. I, I would say uh, to be made into, as a woman has some built-in things. I love being a woman. Yeah, good for you, Nicole. <clears throat> I love it so much. That's a hot take nowadays. Uh, <laughs> so, but if there's a stay-at-home dad listening right now, like I'm not calling you a sinner. I'm not calling you yeah. sinful. I, that's I'm why. Not. I, yeah, that's and, why I want you to talk. I, I think there. Uh, but I would say to you, stay-at-home dad, um, talk to your wife about this. Like truly, figure it out and and figure out if this is the long-term solution because there's, especially at like babies, like babies are, it's mm. a different thing. Totally. Um, I'm not trying to get into breastfeeding and what's going on there and all that. So this is that's a, definitely uninterchangeable. Yeah, we breastfeeding have, from a male standpoint. We have digressed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Let's talk about being with Jesus. Yeah. Um, my big question is, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, invisible to me and everybody else. How do you be with Jesus? Hard stop. How do you do it? Yeah. Uh, in Paul Miller's book, A Praying Church, he's been so helpful for me personally. Uh, he makes the case that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are functioning in union right now. So in other words, the Holy Spirit leads us into the presence of Jesus. First Corinthians 15, uh, it's the spirit of Adam was a spirit that's dead, and now we have been given the life-giving spirit, and that's what they call Jesus. That's what the apostle calls Paul calls Jesus, the life-giving spirit. So to be with Jesus right now looks like worship. It looks like prayer. It looks like reading your Bible and the Holy Spirit wants to usher you into the presence of Jesus. Uh, the Trinity is so fascinating that the Spirit wants you to see Jesus and Jesus wants you to see the Father. And they joyfully dance through that without any comparison, without any drama and with only joy. And so how you get with Jesus nowadays is you get in the presence of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the Bible. In, in this particular sermon, I was making a case to be alone. Matthew chapter six, go in your room, shut the door. And, and I was making a case for the secret place that a successful life is a secret place life. Uh, because if God's going to use you greatly, he needs to transform you greatly. And that happens in the secret place. Hmm. Which is very countercultural considering the social media thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, most people, myself included, um, who cares if I'm successful if nobody else knows about it? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a talking. big thing that goes yeah. into, through your mind is like, <clears throat> wh why am I even doing this? Why am I getting closer to Jesus? Unless I can compare myself to my neighbor, who is it? Totally. Like it's, <clears throat> maybe that's a male thing of being competitive. I don't think so. I've, uh, there's plenty of competitive females um but <laughs> looks at me <laughs> well you're the only female in the room we're not gonna look at josh um so it just feels like well why 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 should i even do it like what's the the goal and i think that gets to your heart can you talk about why why do we need to become closer to jesus what's what's this all about what is it about yeah honestly like why not get closer to jesus like, what I, do you I have to that, lose? Is it, but would you say the temptation is, uh, I can project a life and get all the accolades from social media and others without actually having that internal life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've seen that sadly. Um, I mean, it's in, something I do with every day. Like lately I've, do you post yourself reading the Bible? Um, not like what Josh showed on Instagram. I mean, on the sermon yesterday. <laughs> Those were off of Pinterest. I'm not going to lie though. I've definitely tried to take like an aesthetic photo like that. Definitely pulled the plant in, pulled the coffee in and just took a cute little photo at a coffee sure. shop or something. But, um, there's definitely been moments where I'd take a photo and then I'd be like, actually, I don't want to share this. Like this is too private and personal for me to share this. Or I'll take a photo of me like journaling, but then I'd be like, I do not want to share me journaling because like this is like my prayer mm. and I don't want people to read it and I don't want people to pause it and read it and all that kind of stuff. So there is definitely like a fine line that I tow. Yes. Toe. Yeah. yeah, that's Toe. right. And that, um, on a day to day basis when it comes to posting on Instagram, but at the end of the day, I just kind of go off of like what I feel like people would like to see and then what I'm comfortable with sharing. Yeah, this is the whole premise of my 
like mm-hmm. intro to the sermon was the impulse to even post that at all didn't exist 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like it couldn't, it literally couldn't exist. Mm-hmm. So when I was 17 years old reading the Bible, like I had no option. Um, and to go into school and be like, guys, guess what? I read my Bible today. Like nobody cares. <laughs> like you can't. So nobody the, cares today either. <laughs> nobody cares today, but there's a, uh, a like, a comment, man, that now we're dealing in brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing in, uh, you know, a, addictive, desirous connection to this stuff. And so it's, it's a little dangerous. So my, my hope was to say, you know, uh, it, it's funny saying this on a podcast cause this right now is a platform, uh, but as long as you're with Jesus in the secret place, then post your heart out, mm-hmm. podcast your heart out, uh, do, do whatever you want. But I just said, be careful. Uh, performative spirituality is a real temptation. Mm-hmm. You can perform the activity of religion without actually having Jesus. Be careful. Mm-hmm. And so that was the idea. Um, and in, in Acts 4, the apostles, they had been with Jesus. And so they can stand before the trial. They, they, can, they can live in a public space. Uh, but be careful. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely feel like a sense of responsibility to post sometimes too, that um, <clears throat> I've kind of like struggled with because I'm like, oh, it's not my responsibility. But at the same time, like I have this platform I get to use in Jesus's name. And I've had like multiple people respond and say, oh, like your posts remind me to read my Bible and spend time with Jesus. Yeah. And like that, like that's what gets me going. Cause I'm like, oh, like I'm helping other people get connected with Jesus and like forgetting to post my Bible or post what I did to spend time with Jesus that day. I feel a little guilty because I'm like, Oh, like what if these people are forgetting? So, yeah, yeah. it goes to your heart. Like, why are you posting it? Mm -hmm. Is it for the likes or is it to encourage people? And it's easy to get more affirmation from the world than affirmation from Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's easy. The, the hope was that I didn't pick on one side or the other. Uh, after church, uh, me and a friend went to pick up a piece of furniture for them. They're about to move. And his, his wife's on social media. And so during the sermon, he was like elbowing her like, ha ha. And, uh, and so there's that part of like, hey, be careful, don't post so much. And then there's the other part that says, also be careful because your faith was never designed to be private. Mm-hmm. Your faith was designed to be public. And so on that part of the sermon, the wife is elbowing the husband being like, well, you have a private faith. None of yeah. your coworkers know you love Jesus. And she, on the other hand, is trying to show. And so I, I don't think it's an either or sort of thing. It's not a post, don't post sort of thing. It's a have a secret place life so that when you move into the workforce or into social media, you're not looking for validation and satisfaction and joy and peace because you've already been fulfilled. You've mm-hmm. already been satisfied. Uh, and then that thing that was dangerous can be leveraged for God's glory uh, because social media can absolutely be leveraged for God's glory. Absolutely. Uh, if the person is not asking it to be something it can never be. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the challenge. One of my favorite examples of this is uh, Matthew 6. I'll just read it because I pulled it up. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. <laughs> you, that that, like, all they that get. like is your reward. Yeah, that's all they get. So, yeah, it wasn't likes on social media back then, but it was performative praying, um, even in Jesus's day. Okay. This is good. Uh, Nicole, for instance, when you're deciding, should I post or not post according to that text, that is a reward decision. Does that that make sense? Like, um, if you post it, the reward is getting likes. Mm -hmm. If you don't post it, the reward is that your father knows. Mm. And so it's a reward moment, not, not a, uh, post don't post moment or the reward could be the encouragement. You get the reward of encouraging your friends Mm -hmm. to do it. But then according to the Bible, you lack, you don't get, you can't have your cake and eat it too. That's an interesting take. But like, why not? Cause like I'm helping others and I'm helping. Cause it says so in the Bible. Yeah. But like, why? <laughs> I think their hearts are hypocritical, right? In the Bible. Yeah. The, yeah. the guys that are praying, you know, there's the other story of the religious dude that goes and prays. Thank you, God, that I'm not like the sinner. Yeah. And then the sinner won't even look up to heaven and go, God have mercy on me, a mm-hmm. sinner. And Jesus is like, that's the guy that God heard today. So so much of this is internal and and so much of this is uh, your private world. Uh, there's an old school book. I don't remember who wrote it. It's called Ordering Your Private World. And I'm like, if, if Gen Z can read that book from this 80-year-old man, uh, Google it, Ordering Your Private World. I can't remember his name. Uh, but it just talks about like how important this this unseen stuff going on in your heart 
how important it is to get that stuff settled so that you can move into the public space with joy. Gordon something? Yep. Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald, Order in Your Private World. 2017. He also does a podcast with Carrie Newhoff that's like a two two hour long podcast. It's really awesome. Um, just hearing from an eighty year old man who's worked on ordering his private world his whole life is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So spend time with Jesus. Um, then you said, as the message of Christ interacts with the world, it will create conflict. Yeah. Right. So my question is, if God wants what's best for the world. Why does his message create conflict with the world? Shouldn't it just fit in like a puzzle piece and everything's kosher? Yeah, it's, it's much harder than that. I, I think all of the illustrations in the new Testament are battle, war, athlete, beat your body, like all these things to communicate that living in this world is no cakewalk. Living in this world is no lazy river, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. It, It is a, uh, um, man, my 2005 college graduation, our Greek professor gave the, the graduation address and his text, he made such a big deal. I chose my text today. And then he read, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. And he said, that's what the world is asking of you. And Jesus is saying, turn your boat around and row upstream the opposite direction. Hot take though. I hate lazy rivers. <laughs> Dude, I was going to bring it up. You've rivers. never been to... Sh- I know Josh knows Schlitterbahn. Oh, I love Schlitterbahn. Oh, man. We go to Schlitterbahn in the Schlitterbahn. summer. Schlitterbahn. It's so great. Those lazy rivers, there's nothing lazy about them. Yeah, they're You're fun. flying around that. Yeah. Okay, corners. see, that's fun. But, like, when they're going... I went on one in, like, on a family vacation in Cancun. And my sister and I were just like, this is the worst experience we've ever had. It is boring. <laughs> it's so boring. Just wait till you have kids, and that will be the most fun you'll ever have in your life. Just yeah, we went to the to Great yourself. Great Wolf Lodge <laughs> in, uh, up in Ontario, and our girls loved Lake. Like, River. but why do they move so slow? Like, yeah, it's safety. Lazy. I think. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, no. So, okay the the message of the gospel is at odds with the message of the world. Um, the the mind of Christ is at odds with the mind of this world. And so my point was, if, if you're going to be faithful to imitate Jesus, then you should expect to be treated like Jesus. If you're going to act like Jesus, you're going to be treated like Jesus. And for some people, that is too high of an ask. Like, they don't want to feel any sort of tension with the world, and, and they end up wanting the approval of man more than the approval of God. And in Acts chapter 4, these guys are, they are no longer concerned with the approval of man. They literally tell these guys, who maybe have the power to kill them, they certainly did for Jesus, you know, leveraging the Romans. Uh, again, God and his sovereignty did that. <laughs> I keep saying that. Uh, but they're threatening these guys, and they seem to don't, they don't care. They're just like, you judge for yourself what's right. We're going to do what we feel like God's asking us to do. And, and that's a bold take. And so I do think if you imitate Christ in the workforce or imitate Christ in the world, there's going to come a moment, of course there will, where there's a fork in the road. And you have to say, man, I'm sorry, but you have to do what's right, what you think, but I've got to follow God. And that may look like being honest in a way that hurts you. That may look like uh, telling the truth in a way that hurts. And and ongoingly doing that actually shows the gospel in these places, but it, it's no easy task. Can we talk about when that uh, gets distorted and then people use the gospel to be a jerk? Yeah. They're just like going around saying, well, Jesus says to do that and you're going to hell and all these things that we see. How <laughs> That's do we, what I say to my friends. <laughs> how do we, how do we do <laughs> it well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a sinner. Is there a marker to know that we are actually bringing the heart of God to the world and receiving con- conflict? Because like, it'd be pretty easy for me to go out and find some conflict talking about Jesus. But is there a right way and a wrong way to bring the, the Jesus to the world? Hmm. There's some, uh, I've, he- I've heard different people say this different ways. Um, did Jesus hang out with sinners or did sinners hang out with Jesus? It's different. <laughs> it's different. Um, I would say sinners hung out with Jesus. I would say that too. Not Jesus hung out with sinners. Uh, and that, again, nuance, whatever. Because they were drawn to him, right? They were drawn to he him. He was open. And yeah. then when they, hang- when they hung out with Jesus, often the environment was um, his culture, his environment, not their culture, their environment. So, you know, oh, I go to the clubs to be with my friends. Maybe, maybe. and you can be a designated driver. And uh, again, context and accountability, that all that has to be at play. 
but I, I think if if the world um, doesn't like you because you love Jesus, that's one thing. Versus if the world doesn't like you because you're rude and you're aggressive and you're abrasive, then you are not like Christ, and and that is not imitating Christ in the world. And and so uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, just being careful not to think that your role in the world is to be a police officer, prophet, mm-hmm. critical person. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't show the fruit of the spirit. There's not one, one fruit of the spirit is not criticism. Um, one fruit of the spirit is not Christian nationalism. That's not a fruit getting, of the spirit. And getting angry. Yeah. Yeah. Getting mad about everything. Yeah. Uh, but if people see you as a servant, if people see you as someone with humility who loves them and cares for them, uh, I, I think there are, stories of transformation that just came out of being a faithful worker who loved people around them and served. And when time came, they spoke up, uh, but you have to out yourself as a follower of Jesus. And I think a lot of people that's hard. It's hard to out themselves. Yeah. I, I think it's hard also hearing when like you finally do say you're a Christian, people are like, wait, really? Like, I never knew that. Like that happened to me like a few so years you ago. you felt bad or felt good? No, I was like, it. I was like, wow, like people don't know I'm a Christian. Like that hurt. I was like, I am not See, doing that's okay my, right that's now. my number one goal. I don't want people knowing I'm a Christian because I don't want the the baggage that comes along with that to distort a chance at a friendship, mm. right? Yeah. So, because I know my heart. I know that I'm acting like a Christian. I'm on purpose sometimes hiding it um, to, to flourish the relationship first. Is, is that, should I not be doing that? I don't know. I think, uh, have you ever felt like you didn't say or didn't speak up when that was available and you felt like a, a twinge of conviction about it? Uh, no, I've spoken up. I yeah. used to work in the secular world before I was on <laughs> staff. I still do. Um, but there's a couple stories when I worked at MTV News where the reporters were just like, you're kind of quiet. What's your deal? And I said it. And then lo and behold, they're on their spiritual journey themselves and things happen. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just see what is portrayed in the media of Christians. And I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to be the people on the street corner with the six foot sign. I don't want to be the people trying to get the laws changed. So we're a Christian nation. I don't want to be the one who is just, it's always, always, always about Jesus. Cause those people don't care at this point. And yeah, the spirit moves the way that the spirit moves, but I have found it's better to, uh, make a friend first and then mm. turn those friends into disciples if we can. The political space is so complex. Like we vote for what we think would be best for the nation. We believe Christian values are best for the nation. So you vote. Great. You may support something. You may campaign for something. Great. Like it, it, it's just your thing. If that's your thing. Great. Uh, generally speaking in the new Testament, you never see, you can fact check me on this too. I don't think you ever see the disciples, apostles, New Testaments, uh, followers of Jesus ever pray for opportunity. They always pray for boldness. Mm. And I think typically we in the West, we're like, God, give me an opportunity to share. Give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. And God's like, if you wake up tomorrow, that's an opportunity. <laughs> like I'm mm. going to fill your life with opportunities. Your problem isn't opportunities. Your problem is boldness. You don't have boldness. And so I, I do think we could use a healthy dose of boldness like the apostles had. And I do think we could walk the world being a little bit more courageous. Um, and if you are with Jesus in the secret place, I I submit that your eyes will be open to the opportunities where the boldness is needed. Uh, I was talking to a guy just two days ago uh, about um, he started talking to one of his coworkers as if they were a Christian. So his coworker said that they had recently gotten this new job and there was some new uh, opportunities for them. And this, the dude in our church was like, man, praise God, God's favors on you. And the guy's like, Whoa, that's interesting. No. And <laughs> Too much. so they start, yeah, they start talking and the guy's like, yeah, my grandpa was a pastor. And so the dude in our church was like, man, looks like your grandpa's prayers are being answered and you're, you're walking in this favor. And so, um, that little bit of boldness to say, mm-hmm. man, praise God, I'm really happy for you, uh, opened up a pretty significant conversation mm-hmm. for these guys but if you're praying for opportunities, I don't know if a guy saying, hey, I got a new business opportunity is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you have boldness and you can kind of jump into anything spiritually, uh, but it, it takes discretion. You got to be normal. I walk into my day saying like, God used today for your ministry. What is that? Is that like boldness or opportunity? I guess I'm just saying the opportunities are endless. That's mm-hmm. all I'm trying to say. Okay. But the boldness is what's lacking mm-hmm. Yeah. in, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because if you're not careful, and, I, and this is not to be rude to anybody, but you'll go through a whole day and do nothing, yeah. spiritually speaking, connecting with the lost world. And then at the end of the day, I don't think you can look at God and be like, well, God, I didn't have an opportunity today. Mm-hmm. I don't know why my tone of voice changes there. Yeah. <laughs> well, God, this well God, didn't have an opportunity today. <laughs> all shucks. Sounds Southern all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do think you could say, ah, Lord, I, I do want some more boldness because mm-hmm. um, there's probably plenty of opportunity to go around. I'll just clear it up. I'm So two things. When I choose to keep my Christianity a secret. It's yeah. not that I'm sinning and like yeah. trying to be a part of the world. I'm just saying I'll be a nice average normal guy. Sure. But what I have found happens is it's really easy to share Christ with a stranger that you have no mm. social capital with. You have nothing to lose on the bus. Say, Hey, do you know about Jesus? That is so easy yeah. compared to what I have found that I am doing is just being a part of the world, making friends, getting closer, deeper relationship, deeper and deeper and deeper. And then at some point it takes a lot more boldness to share Christ with that person than it does to just share it with a stranger. But I just feel called to that's, that's the way to do it. Like, I just think I I can make people feel um, loved outside of Christianity before I even bring Christianity up. Mm -hmm. And then they will see our friendship as a, picture of the gospel not just the words that i'm saying yeah this is the design of house church and i mean jeff threw a party at his house yesterday and were you invited i was and i I made my famous salsa you wouldn't have even come nicole would you no yeah but i was gonna say no why'd you say no (laughs) i knew you would i made my famous salsa in the salsa making competition and I didn't even get top two. I don't even think I got third. No, you're so, third. And you're a Mexican? Third place, yeah. You didn't win? I it's, voted for you. It's not important. It was a great party. That's what's <laughs> important. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. So here's, uh, let me encourage the, well, anyone. Well, the winning salsa had uh, mango in it. So it wasn't traditional. It was like a different kind yeah. of yeah. salsa. It and was it was like the hottest. I couldn't get mine to be hot. It's not important. Uh let me encourage so mine was way too lost. salty too <laughs> salty I dumped so much salt in mine anyway okay back to the party <laughs> Jeff and I just give each other Josh a is really upset that he didn't win I think no. that's why he yeah he's, he's saying it's not important because he didn't win not important yeah it would have been important I, I can won. brag about my salsa because it's not my recipe <laughs> I'm like that recipe should have won I've had it it's a great salsa it wasn't my uh, it's, it's not connected to my identity because I've been in the secret place with God oh <laughs> Jokes, just jokes. Um, <laughs> a lot of people think about evangelism like I got to share the gospel cold turkey with this person. Um, or, you know, if this guy's in my life at work, I got to just, hey, if, if you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? Um, in the book Total Church, Tim Chester, uh, he writes about the three strands of evangelism. One of them is sharing the gospel, and one of them is building relationships, and one of them is inviting into community. So anytime you're building a relationship, in some ways you could be on the journey of sharing the gospel. And then secondly, inviting someone into community. So Jeff's party yesterday was filled with non-believers and believers. And if, not that this would happen, but if you were to someday to be like, oh yeah, hey, come to church. And you remember that guy that had the third place salsa? That's actually one of our pastors. And remember the third other guy? Third place that, salsa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you, oh, that guy seemed okay. Like he and I chatted for a bit. He seemed like a normal person. And so all of that is God and his sovereignty working things out mm-hmm. uh, to pursue people. That That's that's the goal is that God is the missionary pursuing people and he's inviting us to join him on the field. And boldness is going to be needed at some point. It's going to be needed. But let's say like your, your wife, Rachel, is really hospitable, um, super hospitable. And, and in this environment, building relationships, inviting the community, Rachel gets to play a part in evangelism. But maybe she's not like, the most extroverted cold turkey evangelist person. But man, she can throw a party and make an environment incredible. And then you invite your friend, John, who's like really, actually your roommate's name is John. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's an evangelist. Uh, no, he's he's similar to me, I think. So, but you invite s- s- X person who uh, is really that good evangelist and they mm-hmm. meet your neighbors and they Matt. start talking. We'll say Matt okay, was there. Matt, yeah. and, you, and all of a sudden Matt's like, hey man, what's, you got a spiritual life? And it's easy and normal you set the stage, mm. Rachel put out the dishes, and Matt shows up and he's got that gift. So I would just say the the family approach to evangelism. It's a tag team. Is, I've never thought of that. That's is beautiful. much better design. Community evangelism. I think that's why Rodney Stark in his book, First 30 Years of Christianity, says the early church did end drag. 
mm. not outreach. In drag was like, there's something so compelling in this community. If you get close, look out. You're going to get drug in. Yeah. You're going to have to talk to Matt. You're going to eat Rachel's food. You're going to hang right. out with you. Like, and that is an apologetic. That is um, that in your neighborhood, the kingdom of God has an outpost. And that outpost is a magnet yeah. to the world. And everybody plays. Everybody plays. I don't think I would have said this before the party, but afterwards looking back, I think my goal was to create a party that is just as fun as a, an, any other worldly party that you yeah. would go to just without the sin. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's good. we don't need to sin to have fun and we're going to be a community of people. What kind of parties are you going to where you have to sin to have fun? I've been to, a I've lot been to of college. Parties. What? I'm college. so confused. They don't have online college parties. Apparently. Uh, over drinking, yeah. sinning, over drinking, uh-huh. gossiping, yeah. sinning, uh, making know. fun of people, being clicky, like all the things that happen. Oh yeah. Maybe you have better friends than us, Nicole. But uh, yeah. We just had a dinner party last night and it was fun. Yeah. But so what I'm saying is create a scenario that kind of looks like the world, but it's discreetly Christian. You invite non-Christians to it. They do that over and over and over and become friends. And they're like, this is what Christians do. This is who Christians are. I feel loved. I feel taken care of. I, you know, and you feel walk away feeling more. filled. Yeah. yeah. We have drained. to learn how to party better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus you guys made, need to learn how yeah. to party better. <laughs> I think I'm chilling. The church needs to learn. Maybe. maybe um, well, he's saying the church doesn't party enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. The dinner party. Oh, um, I see what you mean. I think Jesus, there's evidence of Jesus making parties better. And there's no Jesus doubt that the life Jesus the never sinned. And so you, you have in Christ a model. Uh, and the, you know, the Pharisees look at it and they go, oh, who's this guy that eats with sinners? Again, versus who's this guy that sinners eats with? You know, you could phrase that differently. Uh, but I, I think the more that we can get together in those environments, the more spirituality is not, uh, it's not weird. Mm-hmm. It's just normal and easy and, and it makes sense. Have we um, covered everything that you wanted to talk about for this passage? I know we went all over the place. Yeah, I, th- I think I would just remind everyone uh, that the fuel to make every rabbit trail and everything we just talked about the the fuel to make that stuff more beautiful and to give you more boldness and to give you more sensitivity to the spirit is a secret place relationship with God and so I would encourage anybody listening fight for alone time with God and I don't just mean a quiet time we don't have to be legalistic and I'm not saying if you don't have a quiet time God is mad at you I'm just saying there is an invitation and it's beautiful, and it's a gift. Um, is, well, I've got a question. Is listening to this podcast quiet time with God? Probably not. No. Uh, is listening to a sermon on a podcast? No. Yeah, there's... I I, I talked about watching, this on my podcast. Is watching where, a Bible Project video no, about the book I of don't God. think anything like that is. I'm like, quiet time with Jesus is quiet time with Jesus, and... That is taken away when you fill it with something else that is not him. And I think that looks like taking a prayer walk and with no music, no podcast. Why are you walking? Why do you need to walk? Why don't you just stand there? Walking is Well, it, like Jesus? that's what I do. It's so like a meditation. Is, this is I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to break it down. What, what should we be doing? There's content input. Mm-hmm. And I would say content input is not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm saying there's, there's another thing where you're conversing with God reading his word mm-hmm. maybe you're listening to worship music that's not the same as content input uh, <laughs> so the line is between I worship music and podcast i would even i wouldn't even <laughs> add worship music yeah I, mean, I this is how legalism started this is how the pharisees created 600 laws of how far you could walk on the sabbath and yeah so I, all i was trying to do is if if you're taking on content you can connect like i have the spiritual gift of knowledge you guys ever taken a spiritual gift test the, the yeah. huge mm-hmm. list of things. Yeah. Knowledge doesn't mean I'm smart. It means I connect with God through learning. And so I love to learn. And so, yeah, I can connect with God through listening to stuff. I do that all the time. But I'm still not, I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m., pour a cup of coffee and sit down and listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to wake up, mm-hmm. sit down and be with God. And if, if music is a part of that, great. Um, but that's not content input. So, okay, for Sal, who's trying to learn a new song, and he's listening to the song he's trying to learn, I would say that's content input. Get that out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're just listening or if you're going on a walk, uh, but I wouldn't be legalistic about it. I would say you can walk, you can sit, you can 
take yeah. a drive. Um, but what do you, what do you do? What's your MO for quiet times? Um, prayer walks, um, just kind of walk around. I have my dog with me cause it also gets her out of the house, but that, and then, um, just sitting and reading my Bible at home mm-hmm. or like a silent car ride. So we're saying there's no recipe. I would say there's a daily rhythm of meeting with God with your Bible and prayer. Mm-hmm. If you, if you can do that, that that's a great, great life long habit. There's probably also a weekly rhythm of going to church and gathering with believers, a weekly rhythm of gathering in house church, those sorts of things, a quarterly rhythm of maybe trying to get away for a day or, you know, if you can get away twice mm-hmm. a year for a day, that's awesome. But the primary point of this sermon was to be with Jesus every day in prayer and Bible reading alone, mm-hmm. uh, to, to fight for that. Um, that, can I add something to that? Yeah. Um, I was, I recently talked about this with my friends. I call it like the next best thing theory where like if I wake up that day and I just don't have the time to sit and read my Bible, then I'm going to sit in a prayer time in the car. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to take a prayer walk later in the day. But it like, if on a more realistic standpoint, if I didn't go on a run that morning, I'm going to go on a walk or yeah. something like that. Do like the next best thing That's so good. that gets you through the day. Because like if you start your day and you don't read your Bible and you're like, oh, dang it. Like I didn't read my Bible. There's nothing I can do to make it better now. So my day is like done. No, like do the next best thing because all God wants from you is just that commitment and that submission to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all of this is to fight the performative mm-hmm. nature of culture right now. Yeah. And, uh, and thinking of Jesus as a relationship. Yeah. I'd like to meet with, uh, Amy and sit down and talk for 30 minutes, but I can't. So we're going to call it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's a really great way to frame it, but to view God, not as up in heaven waiting on you or else, but to view it as an invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane and Shane, these worship leaders I love, they have an old song. And the first line of the song is put down your paper plate mm-hmm. and come sit at the table I've made. And it's this idea of like, he felt like he was living off spiritual fast food and so he's writing a song, and uh, and the song's called I Miss You, and it's about he misses God. <laughs> God was like, well, we can hang out. You just got to put down your paper plate and come sit at the table with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I love that idea that many of us are living on fast food relationship with God when he's like, hey, man, you could you could drink wine with me and eat eat mm-hmm. properly with me if, if you want to. And so I my plea with the church was like, this is an invitation to joy and satisfaction, not another thing on your to-do list that creates shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what we're after. And Nicole, that principle of next best thing is great. I love it. And then also science tells us if with any habit, missing a day is fine. But when you miss that second consecutive day, you're done for. You have mm-hmm. a new habit. It's so hard to come <laughs> yeah. back from that. So fight like heck. Mm-hmm. Can I say fight like hell? Yeah. I'll end the podcast Just with a curse word. <laughs> fight like hell to not miss that second day. And yeah. get quiet. Because in so doing, you're fighting hell. Yes. yes. So good. Yeah. Start and snap for that one. Um, cool. Thank you guys. <laughs> thank cringe. You guys for, Inward cringe. Uh, chatting. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening too. We, we make this podcast for you guys. Um, so if you have any questions, email us at podcast at com, or check out the story on our Instagram on Sundays. Um, we want to hear what you guys think about the messages. We want to hear what you think about this podcast. So um, write in. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.